Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gateway to Cinema, the spin-off of the far more popular podcast Reboot Already Underway, the Canadian Idol to the main podcast's American Idol. Oh my God. Happy 150th anniversary, Canada. You know, shout out there. She came from yeah. uh, Canadian she Idol. She did. She didn't win it, but she came, she came from, from it. it. And what would we do in this world if we didn't have I Really Like You? It's a pretty good song. Have you heard I, that one? I just, I just don't know, man. I don't know what I'd do without that in my <laughs> yeah, life. I don't know either. I've never even heard this song. <laughs> anyway, bad. I am, Tom of Hanks course, your host, Aaron Hahn, mm-hmm. joined as always by Jacob Lacey. I don't have anything from Blade to say for a catchphrase. <laughs> he doesn't really have a catchphrase, but I'm going to go with something. I'm going to come up with something wholly original. I'm going to do it right now, right on the spot, right here. I'm going to come up with a cool catchphrase, and that catchphrase is... Uh, that catchphrase is... Um, Gatorade, drink it. Is is that their new slogan? Uh, no, but we're sponsored by Gatorade this episode, so I wanted to get that. We're not sponsored by Gatorade, and all I saw was a Gatorade bottle in front of me, and that's the only thing I could think of. So <laughs> I'm falling apart, Aaron. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway, we have are here to talk about another film from the list of 100 movies I once made for Lacey to watch. Films that are interesting introductions the larger world of cinema and this week we got another film that uh many would hesitate to call good but it is a film that perhaps we can get some interesting discussion about regardless yeah and that is blade 2 um i don't know what i thought about this movie before i seen it before i seen it before i saw it all I know is that when I watched the first Blade, I was like, all right, that was pretty all right. Let me watch the sequel. And I liked the sequel quite a bit more the first time. Now, as we all know, if you've been listening to this podcast, when we rewatched Blade, I was like, oh, I don't really like that. It's not very good. And then rewatching this one, I was like, oh, it's going to be the same thing. But I found it to be the exact opposite. I like this movie a lot more on a second re- like on a rewatch. Um, I don't know why, because it's still bad. It's, um, it's all right. I, it's okay. Yeah, I'd say it's okay. Um, but something about just the weird cheesiness and Wesley Snipes doing just Wesley Snipes stuff, and I don't know. On the second watch, I was like. Yo, I dig this. And it was also like, oh, I can kind of zone out on some of these parts because nothing happens for a really long time. And it's like, all right, back to the action. Let's do this. Because the action, <laughs> it's well shot. It's good. But uh, yeah, so Aaron, why'd you put it on the list? Yeah, I mean, well, as we've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, I didn't write this list with this series in mind. So there's certainly some entries on here that weren't necessarily put on there because they're, you know, they're classic films or they're typically discussed films. But Blade 2 was a film I put on the list because it was one of the Marvel films you had not seen at that point. And I was like, well, might as well just watch all the Marvel films because, you know, you like comics so much. And so, I mean, I I still think it is a okay film. Yeah. I think, you know, for those, like, comic book thrills, I think it does a really good job of, you know, just the the action, the the 
costumes, the you know, it, it the has creature its design charms. Cool. Hmm? I like the creature, creature design. design. Yeah. Yeah. Gilmero. And, Guillermo? How is it? Guillermo? Guillermo. Guillermo. I always say Gilmero. I know you always say Gilmero. I don't understand how you get Gilmero. No, when I was writing like, that... I, I can understand the mispronouncing the double L as, you know, an Eng- as it would be in English, yeah. but Mero is not possible from the end of his name. But <laughs> like, you're mixing up the order. Not even kidding. Abzo was writing the Blade 2 paragraph for our blog posts which you can check at uh jake lace and little uh, wait no it's this clever blog games already taken um i was i i like i wrote gilmero as well like i, I it's not like i just say it like i just wrote it and i'm like that doesn't look right and i'm like oh yeah it's not it's not at all um, it's not right no no this film was directed by guillermo del toro <laughs> Who is one of my favorite directors of all time, for sure. And so even though this is definitely his weakest film... Nah, I think Pacific Rim that's, you know, is pretty bad. No, Pacific no, Rim gonna, is bad. Not even going to no, no. start this debate. I, I, I can concede Pacific Rim is better than this, but yeah. But yeah, so uh, even though this is his weakest film by far, I still think it has... He, he brings a little special, you know, magic to it. And so, at the end of the day, I think it's an okay film. Yeah. Spoilers. Alright, so, if you have not seen this film yet, uh, go watch it if you're interested. Yeah. And slightly recommended by the both of us, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> More recommended than Blade 1. I guess I'll just say that much. For, for whatever that means. And not much. <laughs> um, but if you have seen it or you just don't care, we're going to talk about it a little depth in depth with spoilers. Yeah. And there's not really much to spoil because mm. there's not a whole lot of plot going on in this film. <laughs> no. But the plot that is here is, like, horribly convoluted. Like, to the point where I'm like, what what is happening in this movie? Oh, okay. Then they kind of tie it up by the end. I'm like, oh, all right, all right, all right. But, oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, My biggest gripe with this movie, other than the fact that it doesn't give me a reason to really care about Blade or anyone, not Whistler. I care a little bit about Whistler, just because Chris Christopherson is like, he has it's, a lot of fun with it, you can yeah, tell. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting is, you know, like, in the in the first Blade movie, we obviously leave it, we think his character is dead, he's mm-hmm. killed himself because he didn't want to succumb to the vampire virus, but, you know, Blade walks away, hands him the gun, mm-hmm. and then this film opens, like, oh yeah, that didn't happen, yep. he, he, was, he was kidnapped by vampires, and now we're gonna go rescue him. It's like they realized that, like, he was the only character that, like people were interested in or perhaps that he was the only actor who actually like cared about this film so yeah. like gotta, i guess you gotta bring him back yeah and do something even though it's like the most ridiculous explanation they're like well he's back now but it does That's like something. show like he you can tell he cares and he's like really like getting into the role which is nice um wesley snipes also is getting into the role in this one like i don't know that he cares about these movies but other than in blade trinity i always feel like he's having fun with it you know like he he's enjoying his time and and so 
that's always worth something to me when you can see someone's enjoying working on something. It's like, all right, that's awesome. Yeah, um, and I think he's definitely he's an actor that can definitely bring something to the action scenes as well because there are a lot of shots where you can see he's you know he's doing his own fighting and you know mm-hmm. he pulls it off. So yeah, he does. And the thing about this movie is that all of those action sequences are a lot of fun. They're like really good but they take so long to get to them. And this is the thing I didn't notice until this second viewing, is that that club sequence, when the action starts, it's awesome. It Like, all of the cool, uh, like, oh, is that Donnie Yen? Yes, Donnie Yen. Yeah, Donnie Yen, Yen is really great in this, uh, as far as his action scenes go. Um, Ron Perlman is really interesting in that scene. And, of course, the blade fight on the walkway with whatever the mm-hmm. villain's name is. I don't remember. Um, it, like, yeah. all those moments are great. But it's like, oh, my God. They have so many different, uh, like, like, teams set up in this one club that they feel the need to continuously cut back between the three, like, a bunch of them. So mm-hmm. you're like... Okay, now we're with Norman Reedus, who, on first viewing, I didn't realize that was Norman Reedus. And then I'm like, oh my god, that's young Norman Reedus. Who's <laughs> um, just, oh god, he's something. And, uh, and then, not only do you have Norman Reedus, you also have Whistler outside. Then you have Blade and girl vampire Nisa um, in one group. And then you have, yeah, she's just kind of there. Yeah, it's just like, she doesn't really ever well, do anything in this Blade movie. has a love interest now. That's something. Like, I guess it's supposed to show that, like, vampires still have humanity in them, sort of. But it doesn't yeah, work I mean, very I, well. Like, I think the thing is, like, her character sort of works in the world of the vampires. <laughs> where it's like, you know, her, her relationship to this vampire king and her relationship to this new, you know, breed of, of the vampires or whatever. Right. But her connection to Blade that they try to, you know, make, and then they have that you know, whole emotional send-off taking you out into the sunlight. It's like, that doesn't work. No, it's bad. <laughs> it might be the worst part of this movie, and that's kind of saying stuff, something, you know? They're just like, well, it's... she's our only female character, so I guess they gotta oh, you fall don't like, in love. Uh, you don't like cause... redhead female character who sacrifices herself in the sunlight? To kill her boyfriend? Oh yeah, you don't you don't like that character? What's her name? I don't know. I don't even know what her boyfriend's name was. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, you know, this isn't really a film where you kind of learn people's names. Yeah, I w- no. At one point, she calls him Light Hammer. I'm like, what? <laughs> I feel like I would have remembered if they said that. And I'm like, that's pretty crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, so so it's that group, and then it's Ron Perlman and his other person and then Donnie Yen and another person and then another group of girl and boyfriend and it's like they continuously they have to set up each scenario that it's just so boring by the end of it you're like okay like you have all this build up now get to the action and the action's great but there's a disproportionate amount of action to how long it takes to set up the action (laughs) that it's just like okay well kind of a waste of time to do all of this like and in the end you don't care about these characters so we don't really need to set them up and be like oh man Lighthammer got bitten uh what what are we gonna do like, i mean i don't 
Well, here's the thing. I don't know if I agree with you that there's it takes too long to get to the action because I almost feel like there's like a, a good amount of action in this film and that it moves at a fairly fast pace. But at the same time, I when I rewatched this film in preparation for this uh, podcast, I was also working on those paragraphs for the Marvel ranking at the same time. So I was only kind of like half watching it. So right. it could have been that I just kind of like tuned out during all the boring, you That's know. That's what I did too. In but between action moments. <laughs> and then just like paid attention whenever, you know, like the ninja vampires were fighting. I was just like, well, that's yeah. the exciting part. That is the exciting part. Um, but I do think that on the whole, the action in this film is just great, like very well choreographed. You know, it feels like very like tangible, I suppose, except for those moments when they go into the uh, CGI body doubles. Oh, you know, like, oh, oh, early 2000s. Oh, you know. God, it's bad. It's so bad. And, like, it, oh, God, it just looks like a video game. Like, we talk about Amazing Spider-Man 2 looking like a video game. This looks straight up like a PS2 game. <laughs> I mean, at least it has the excuse of being in 2000, 2002 was this film, I believe? Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2002, and, and lower budget than Amazing Spider-Man 2 as yeah. well, so. But still. It has that bad. excuse, at least. It's still bad. Um, it is bad. <laughs> Like, I forgot how much the film uses those CGI it's, body dolls, so but it's uh, quite like, frequent. Sometimes for weird things. So, like, why yeah, would like you, you need that there? <laughs> yeah, there's sometimes when it's just, like, a little, like, parkour, like, run up a wall kind of thing. You're like, do we need that for that? We could have done just, like, a little wire work. Yeah. If they needed it. Wire, wires so it's, are it's hard, just, Aaron. What? Wires are hard. And expensive, all right. So it's just this awkward thing where it's like we have this really great, you know, grounded action scenes, and then they just keep on suddenly switching to this really fake-looking right rubber it. CGI characters. And, you know, yeah. Gotta forgive it a little for being an old film, but yeah. not too much. Not too much. Um, other parts. Uh, I guess I'm just gonna pick apart the stuff I didn't like, and then just kind of mention the stuff I really liked. I like I, mean, Norman, sure. I like Norman Reedus in this movie. He's doing like a weird character, but his character ending is like so like easily seen from like a mile away. It's like, oh, who are you? Like the twist that he's a yeah, familiar. The he, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, that's not even really shocking, but all right. And like they, the movie tries to do this thing where it like wants to make you think Whistler is like maybe with the vampires or something. Mm-hmm. and uh no it, it's gonna be the guy who we don't know anything about and now all of a sudden he's in this movie and you're like oh okay sure yeah it's it's gonna be the guy that we didn't you know have to seek out convoluted reasons to bring him back <laughs> into the fold because people liked him so much yeah. it's go it's going to be uh norman Reedus. yeah definitely again Really weird that Norman Reedus is in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so that I wasn't a huge fan of. Again, convoluted plot. Like, what is happening? I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter. Ron There's Perlman's a new a breed dick. of vampires out there. Eats on eats vampires as well as humans. They, you know, team up with Blade to stop him. But then it re- re- revealed that they were the ones who made the vampires for some like, reason. Why? 
did they even send Blade in the first place again? I don't, not entirely sure on that. Hopefully, I'm, I guess they were hoping he would get killed, but like you know who Blade is, he's not gonna die. <laughs> like, come on. Um, yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> um, that's not great. Um, and I don't know. I. Yeah, I guess that's honestly all the things I have, like, real legitimate... Like, negative with. to say about? Yeah. Uh, but everything that's good in this movie, oh my god. The scene, and now, again, this falls into a little bit of CGI rubberiness, but mm-hmm. uh, the moments where it's actually Wesley Snipes doing this, when he... The scene where Ron Perlman comes in, he's gonna kill him, but Blade is just drinking all the, van, all the blood or whatever, and all the mm-hmm. guards come in with their stun sticks... And the way he just just destroys everyone one by one is so cool. I really like that scene, um, and it's it it feels a lot like Batman Arkham games. Just watching that because it's just like oh, and now he's gonna parry, and now he's gonna punch, and now he's gonna throw, and then he's gonna jump over one, and like it's like oh, it just it hits that perfect like. Just watching him do this perfectly. I don't think he gets hit once in that scene, and he's just destroying these guys. It's it's <laughs> awesome. I love that scene a lot. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, one thing I really love about this movie is, like I mentioned earlier, I think Guillermo del Toro brings a little special magic to each of the films that he directs. And I think, you know, even though it's not on full display in this film as compared to some of his other ones... Just the the creature design, as you mentioned, like when they're dissecting the vampire guy, and yeah, you're just uh, like uh. they're like exploring, like oh, he's as different from vampires as we are from humans, and they're just like dissecting the giant, the new bone plates in front of his heart, and all that kind of stuff. You're like, this is this is some cool creature design, mm-hmm. and I also really love uh, I, his his uh, Del Toro's affection for like crafting these mythologies around the monsters like we got this great dynamic we got we got the whole like father and the son you know the the prodigal son like returns but then kills the father who's created him and you you know you like you got some like really like strong like mythic archetypes Mm -hmm. working here and all that monster stuff is great i love the you know the prosthetic work for the vampire king guy and yeah, all that. And I, I really love, like, the juxtaposition between, like, this ancient-looking, like, you know, rubber-masked vampire guy, and then he just, like, gets into an elevator, and you're like, this is a weird movie. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I have a question about this. Maybe you'll be able yeah. to answer this. Why is his blood blue? Or it's green. It's green. It's because it looks cool, or... I, I mean, like, I don't know. Literally, I... I there's no explanation for it. Everyone else's blood is regular red, and this guy's is green. <laughs> like, is he an ooze maybe because he's just so old that it turns green over time. I don't. No, I don't know. Thing. I don't think. <laughs> but I, I do think just like the the monster mythology like works so well in this film. But I also think it's kind of like pushed to the back burner because it's very much. It's not about them. It's about Blade. It's about the mm-hmm. action and all that. So I think it's something that there's something special about Guillermo del Toro's touch to this movie, but at the same time, I think it's also stuff that he's done better in, like, later works. Like, I think uh, Hellboy 2 uh, 
I feels like it's featuring a lot of similar kind of monster mythology as this film. Okay. You haven't seen Hellboy 2? I haven't seen either of them. Those should have been on the list, because <laughs> those are both good movies. Oh, man. Um, also, Ron Perlman. Right? <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. Um, yeah, I think this was their first collaboration, probably, then. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they're, like, I can think of. frequent collaborators, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because he's, in, uh, he's, he's been in, like, everything too. since this. Not Crimson Peak, except though. for Except for Crimson Peak. My favorite movie I've seen from Guillermo. But only because I haven't seen very many. Because um, you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth yet, true. which we will cover. Well, we also we also have Pan's Labyrinth and the Devil's Backbone of his films on this list right. that we'll talk about. So, um, other things I love, I, like I said, I, I like the Blade stuff in this. I think when he's first introduced to all the vampires and Ron Perlman's just you know he's messing with them and he's like, no man. No, just just kill me, do it. And he puts the silver like stake like right near him. And he's like, no, just 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 push it into me. Just kill me, whatever. If you're so cool, just do it. And that whole like tension, like you know he's not gonna do it, but like you know Blade is like three steps ahead of Ron Perlman's character. And so when he puts the bomb in his head, it's like, yeah, Blade, yeah. Get it. Also, when he pulls out, I think that's like a silver stake. I think it's supposed to be right. Yeah. Uh, when he pulls it out, I love that he like does like several flips with it like around his back and like everything, <laughs> and it goes on for like probably a solid thirty seconds. And I'm like, there was no need for that. <laughs> like that didn't need to happen. But whatever, man, do what you want. <laughs> Be you, Blade. Um. Uh, quick note: Googled this. Uh, Ron Perlman was actually in Kronos, which was Del Toro's first film. Oh. I've not seen that yet though. But so oh. I guess he was in that one. And then came back with Blade too. So, cool. Just pointing that out. Um, hmm, let's see. Uh, the the sewer scene is like all right. I don't think it's nearly as good as the action that's in the uh, nightclub or even in the final segment. But the final segment. Oh yeah, the, never mind. The final segments with the guards. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that already. Uh, because but I feel like. I, what? Sorry. I was just going to say, I do think the action works best when he has, like, the elaborate, like, environments to mm-hmm. work within. Like, you know, you got, you got Blade's hideout at the... When, like, the ninja vampires come by and you have that early action scene, you have, like, the, the bright lights in the background and the rafters yeah, cool. and all this sort of stuff. It's great. And then you have, as you mentioned, like, the, the fight on the walkway is great. And then... Of course, the end fight, we have that room with the giant pool of blood and everything, and, you know, the dual layers and everything. So, like, I think that compared to those films with their very elaborate set designs that are conducive to great action scenes, the sewers is kind of just, like, it's too confined. It's too dark, it's too confined. Everyone hates the sewer level of a video game, and that's basically (laughs) what this is in a movie. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's some alright stuff that happens in there. I like how he, uh... Oh, God. Can't even remember the line anymore. Which line? But when when he blows up the giant, like, uh... Right before he blows up the giant box with all the light bombs in it, the UV light bombs. I don't even remember what he says, but there's, like, a nice little cheesy one-liner. Um... Yeah, what is that? It's not... 
again, nowhere near as good as the ice skating uphill. <laughs> skiing uphill. I don't know what he says. Um, I, I still understand what that line means. It's, it's such a weird place. I don't know why it's there. Um, but, uh, yeah, just there's, there's a lot to really like in this movie. Even if, overall, as a package, this movie falls flat in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree that it has a lot of flaws, particularly that the plot is, like, non-existent, and we don't really care about any of these characters, mm-hmm. as evidenced by the fact that we can't remember any of their names outside of Blade and Whistler and those two. Yeah, that's about it. But I do think that the action scenes are great enough that... And the, the creature design, the mythology, all that's great enough to make this an enjoyable film. Like, it's a fun comic book action film. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could do worse when it comes to comic book films, such as uh, Blade Trinity. Oh, yeah. The, the Blade film that could not make this list. I would never recommend it to anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's really bad. If you want to hear how bad I think it is, you can read it. Look. On the yeah. ranked blog Because <laughs> we're not talking about it here, I promise you. Uh, there's no Blade Trinity But I can't believe... I, I, I like those uh, like behind-the-scenes stories, though, that we've got from the production of that those. film. I didn't know you hadn't heard those before, oh, yeah. but just... That you makes know, so much whole, sense. Whole, like, only communicating with sticky notes and... Wesley Snipes like keeping his eyes shut for like entire movies. Oh my God. <laughs> he just he does not care about this film anymore. And you have to wonder if it's if it's like he had a antagonistic relationship with uh, David S. Goyer because he's he took over yeah, directorial yeah. duties for the third film after writing these first two. And it's like the script was the weakest part of these first two movies, and then you give him the the directing gig. Yeah. It's, Bad, bad choice. Sure, that's a thing. Um, I oh, I want to mention this because managed to get a laugh out of me again, even though I knew it was coming. The whole end sequence of this movie, where he's like, "Oh, I didn't think I forgot about you, did you?" <laughs> he just kills him right there. <laughs> oh my god, it's so like it's like one of those continuity things that just makes you go, "Oh my god, yes, continuity." This movie's amazing, <laughs> like. It ends on such a high note. Um, that's such like a fun way to end this movie. So, yeah. Oh, and there's one th- one more thing I thought of that I wanted to bring up, which I could have brought up earlier when talking about uh, Del Toro's creature design. Mm-hmm. This is connected to that thought. But what was interesting to me when watching this was the 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 new breed of vampires. Yeah. They bear a. A, a, a really striking resemblance to the vampire design that Del Toro uses in The Strain, that FX TV show. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't They do, watched, don't they? I haven't watched this show yet, but I was just noticing how it's the same kind of thing where it has, like, the weird, like, tongue thing that comes out instead of the fangs, and you're just like, huh. It, so this is, I guess... Like, I don't know if that's, like, something, like, he studied vampire myths and he's like, this is one incarnation of the vampire and now I'm going to take that because I find that cool. Or if it's, like, he designed it this way for Blade 2 and he's like, I like that enough, I'm going to keep using that. I don't know I don't know either the exact origins of it, but I just thought it was interesting that he's 
using that recurring uh, version of the vampire. It is instead of the more a really traditional. Cool design, though I like it a lot. Yeah, like the the whole like uh, jaw splitting open with the teeth and everything. That's a great little practical effect kind of thing. So, and uh, I love like the little touch where they're in the sewer and someone picks up the mandible. And I'm like, oh, and they drop it. It's like, oh, because they mentioned earlier, oh, the mandible falls out or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's such just a really cool moment again. That's just, they're like little moments like that that make you want to love this movie more than you can. Because again, at heart, this movie's just all right. Um, but if you dig a little deeper down, there's some, there's some really good stuff in there. You just kind of have to filter through a lot of the not good stuff. Yep. So I guess that's really all we have to say about Blade 2 then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as ranking goes, I have it 17th, right above the first Blade, below Rubber. And that's like the bottom of the list. So, second to last. Second to last. Yeah. And so again, it's, it's definitely better than the first film. Oh yeah, but oh, still, world's better. And as and as much as I personally enjoy it because I love Del Toro, and as much as I, you know, wanted to recommend it to you because you like comic book movies, you know, you have to concede that it's only an okay movie. Right, and that's all right. It's all right to have an okay movie every now and then. Anyway, you got a ranking. Are you, are you doing uh, no, the I was same, saying like, it's second, second to bottom for me, too. Um, I, I right don't have it in front of me, so I don't know what's right above it. I need to actually get that list onto Letterboxd, because right now it's just on IMDb, and it's kind of stranded there, and I'm like, oh, I have to go through. And every week the list gets longer, so <laughs> I really yep. need to move it quick. <laughs> this um, is why Letterboxd is better for lists. Oh, my God, so. Letterboxd is so good. I don't know why I slept on it for so long, but it is really good. Um, yeah. All right. So, so yeah, uh, this has been another episode of Gateway to Cinema. If you want to find us around the web, you can find Lacey at Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. You can find him at Jake Lace on Tumblr. As we mentioned, the Marvel Ranked Project will start running the same day as this comes out, and then that will carry through the week. Wait, right? really? Is that how we're doing it? I, I thought, thought we were, we're starting doing it on Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> I was going to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so then the last one hits same day as Spider-Man. Yeah, that's true. I guess just because I'm seeing it on Thursday doesn't mean that's actually the release date. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. So uh, look for that. If you want to find David from the main podcast on the web, you can find him at dbex15 on Twitter, dbex with two S's. You can. If you want to find me around the web, you can find me at Dude on Twitter. You can find me... Uh, at uh, this clever blog name is already taken. Tumblr.com. Posted a review for Baby Driver. That's up. And uh, also, the Marvel Ranked Project will be running partially on my blog as well. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to find the main podcast around the web, you can find us at Reboot Already Un on Twitter. You can give us a like on Facebook for news and new episodes. You can check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave us a good review if you like what, I, what we say. All right, so next week, we've been trying to do kind of like a somewhat related to new releases style for these podcasts, but we didn't, we don't, we're not going to do anything related to the exciting film coming out, War for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> we're going to go instead for the film that probably won't be great. The new horror film coming out is Wish Upon 
looks bad, but we're going to go for a little uh, connection there, and we're going to be talking about next week, we're going to talk about Hellraiser. It does look bad, but I just want to point out, it looks kind of like Final Destination-style kills, and I've been wanting that in my life for a while now, so... We will be talking about Wishapon on the next (laughs) week's main podcast. Yeah. But uh, next week, Gateway to Cinema, we're going to be talking about Hellraiser, another film about like a mystical box that unleashes evil. And it is streaming free on Netflix if you would like to watch it. I know literally well. nothing about this movie. So. That I know, is I know, the way to watch it. I know Pinhead. It, is that his name? Pinhead? Yeah, Pinhead. Pinhead. I know him. I know what he looks like. But that is uh, literally it. So, It's going to be an interesting one. This is one that... This is one of the ones I'm fearful might be lower than Blade on your ranking. <laughs> so really, oh, we'll no. see. We'll see. I don't okay. know. All right, but it's I'll going it to be a mind. fun one to talk about. So don't miss that, listeners. Until right. next time, don't think it, don't say it. Bye, bye, man. <laughs> <laughs>